make a lot of noise. Sometimes God can listen to music and all that he hears is noise. But when music, which is, God is the author of music. When music touches his heart from the melodies and the songs, it blesses the heart of God. God was so unselfish that he gave the gift of music to Lucifer. He gave him the greatest gift. And Ezekiel tells us that when he opened up his wings, melodies and music, rhythms came out of his being. He was, uh, as it were, the leader of music. And that's why he still uses music. God did not take the gift away. But Satan has continued with it and has robbed so many people and defiled the beauty and the majesty of music and made it unclean. He was in the brilliant, the Bible says that he was the, the bright morning star and he would come with brightness when the angels would assemble before God and they would pay homage to God, giving glory and honor and praise and worship. And he would receive that worship and he would turn it around to God with all the brilliance and the majesty. He would give it to God and say, you alone are worthy of it all. You alone are worthy of it all. And somebody asked the question, who tempted the devil? And my personal view around my understanding after studying so many years about it, I am satisfied with this, that he misjudged himself. He thought that when he, the angels came and gave him worship because he operated in the highest rank among the angels and he thought that if you are in the highest rank then you have the power to entice and to manipulate and to intimidate he thought that a leader should be one who rules with dominance with power he misinterpreted what power is like the world today think that power is missiles and bullets and guns and bombs. He misjudged who God is. And the Bible says that pride entered his heart. God was no longer worship worthy in his eyes to be given the glory and the honor. He thought that because God was so merciful and grace and kind and gentle and loving, he misinterpreted that. Like many people today, they misinterpret when you are kind to them, when you are gentle to them. They think that you are weak. That's why our children are so tough. Because they are being taught 
You know, that they should be, they should be loud and they should be strong and they should be fighting. Just like Satan, they are misinterpreting the power of God. They think that serving God is weakness. They interpret, you know, and just as Lucifer, when he interpreted that, he discovered that he is not all powerful. He realized that he was not all knowing. He discovered that he was not all present. Ah, my God. Okay, just this is the foundation that I'm laying for the light. Okay, thank you, my wife. The Bible says that God, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I saw him. Jesus was there all the time. And he saw how that God kicked him out of heaven. Now, let me just say this to you this morning. Don't think that when you and I operate in the spirit of pride, that we are going to go to heaven with that pride. If God did not spare the highest angel from pride, don't think he will spare the darkest sinner with pride. Because God hates pride. And oftentimes our pride gets in the way of serving God. We think that the worship is not worthy enough for me to lift up my hands to this awesome God. Be careful. We must be careful. Because when I come to worship God, I don't come to worship God in my title. I don't come to worship God in my career. I don't come to worship God with my qualifications. When I come to God, I come to God in humility and in humbleness. And I come to God in grace. I approach the throne of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Where I can find mercy and grace. And when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was kicked out of heaven and he fell to the earth. And every day, he has become darker and darker and darker. His works are darkness. His power is darkness. He operates in darkness. Come with me to the Word of God. John chapter 8. Jesus is coming on the scene, born through the Virgin Mary, was dedicated in the temple, was taught by Joseph, his father, when he was on earth. He was taught as a carpenter until the age of 30 years old when he was ready to be released for the ministry. And he came to do the assignment which God has called him for. 
he now appears on the scene and we, we, we did the first part when he said he said a very striking and powerful statement that I have not found any other religious deity have had the power to say a statement like this I am I am that I am before Abram was I am not I am going to be not I would be not I was he says I am you know what I discovered this morning I discovered this morning that God is more powerful than coronavirus the fear and the intimidation that brought upon people. People are living in, in fear today. They are living in fear. And we know as a church, we have weathered the storm of coronavirus. We have seen the hand of God move powerfully. And I am of the view this morning that God is more powerful than coronavirus. Even if coronavirus should take my life out, God is more powerful than coronavirus. Because even though I die, somebody tell me something, yet I will, I will live because of Him. And so this morning, that is my, my, my faith, my hope, my stand, that God is greater than anything. Any power, any politician, any country, God is great and is greatly to be praised. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, so hold that thought that Satan operates in darkness. Can you hold that thought? Satan operates in darkness. He does not, he comes as an angel of light, but it's a camouflage. It's a deception. He deceives humanity with his light, supposedly. But he is not the true light. He is not the light of this world. So let's see here what the scripture says. In John chapter 8 and verse 12, please. Thank you, Keisha. John chapter 8 and verse 12. You can see it there at the back, yes. All right, so when Jesus spoke again to the people, repeat this after me. He said, You say it like he's the darkness. Can we say it with confidence and belief? Okay, let's do it. One, two, three. You have the light of life. John chapter 9, verse 4 and 5. John chapter 9, verse 4 and verse 5. One, two, three. Yes, 
Okay, so night is? Somebody tell your neighbor, night is? Can you at least say it to your neighbor, night is? If nobody's sitting next to you, tell yourself, night is coming. Yeah? Verse 5. Can you say that again? There's a reason why I'm saying, some of you are feeling like, also no school canness. Well, let me just tell you that, that school children learn when they repeat things. When you repeat things to yourself and to others, you learn. The more you share with others, the more you remember and you keep the word. So while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, why does he make that statement? Why does he say, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world? Okay? Now, follow carefully. The earth was formless and empty, and it was in darkness. And it was over the, sea, the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. So, there's a lesson to learn that in creation, whatever God creates, He does it in the light. Come on, somebody. When God does a work in your life, when He transforms your life, the light must first enter in. Yes? You cannot, you know, it's like, it's like a group of Afrikaans. Hulle sê, baie kere wil mense wees soos een sog. Een sog is een vark. Een vark is een pig, if you don't speak Afrikaans. The nature of the pig is that it likes to delve and play in the mud, in the dirt. It likes to play and roll in the mud and in the dirt. Now, I'm using that as a metaphor now. Okay? The nature of the pig is like the nature of people, of human beings. We have a sinful nature. Tell yourself, I have a sinful nature. Yeah. According to the Bible, Romans uh, chapter 3, we have a sinful nature. So we are the metaphor like the pig. Even if you wash that pig, you can clean it, and like what you do with your cats, Pastor Robbie, you powder them and you brush them, you know, and you meow and you talk to them, you know. But the nature of the pig, after that you've washed it. And I know that some of you would even put on a pink ribbon on the pig. But the minute you loosen that pig, the minute you give the pig the freedom, he behaves freedom. And that is how we operate in our nature because our natural nature, people must be taught to worship God. We don't naturally want to worship God. But we must be taught to worship God. That when we come into the presence of God, we must know how to respond in His presence. There must be a holy awe that comes upon us. 
a reverence before Him, a respect for the Lord. We must humble ourselves in the presence of God. Okay, let me just stay on track here. Here I help me for Ochan as a belief. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Watch yourself, Peter. Time is still okay. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Please, will you note? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Eskom cannot say when it's night for the light to go on. Eskom needs generators and all sorts of equipment in order to produce light so that we can benefit from that light. But God is the only one. Not even Satan can speak to the darkness and say to the darkness, Bring forth light. That is the God that we serve. He's so powerful, He can speak to your situation. He can speak to your storm, and He can say to your storm, Bring peace out of the storm. He can say to your cupboard that is empty, He can say, Bring provision, and He will provide for you. <laughs> Light, let light shine out of the darkness. May this light shine in our hearts. So in other words, we had darkness in our hearts. But He made His light to shine in our hearts. Now I'm not talking about this physical heart. I'm only pointing as a metaphor for you and I to relate to it. So He speaks to our hearts. And he says to our darkened hearts, our hearts that's filled with, you know, with bitterness and anger and revenge and unforgiveness and jealousy and hatred and murder, all of that jealousy and so on, that's in our hearts. He speaks into our hearts and said, let my light shine into that heart so that that heart may become transformed and renewed. Yeah. To what? To give us the light of the knowledge of the glory. Let me tell you, I did not know what I know today when I did not know Christ. I did not know what I know today. But because of the permeating light of God that constantly shone in my heart, transforming my heart, and it's a process. That's why the Bible says that we must, uh, we must be transformed daily. How? By the renewing of your heart, of your mind, of your heart, of your mind, of your heart. The mind and the heart must be renewed on a daily basis. Because deceitful is the heart above all things for who will know it. One day you in love, the next day you hate. One day you up in the mountains, the next day you down in the valley. So it's not trustworthy to follow your heart.
but it is trustworthy to follow your God. So, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Peter, can you stop? Just read the scripture and move on, man. Please pray for me. Because I get tempted to, to expound a little bit. And the purpose of that is not to show off. Please. The purpose of that is to bring light. Is to enlighten you. So that you can have the light shining in your heart. So that you don't walk in darkness. But the light can remind you. Hey, if I told you no, do The light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Okay, John chapter 1 verse 4 and 5. You guys have fantastic brains, eh? Brilliant brains. I see. You're just absorbing. I hope you are absorbing and taking in as a sponge. Because this is going to help you in your journey of life. This is going to make you a wise person. As you take in this knowledge and from the scripture. And what I'm saying here is not my opinion and my views but simply extracting them from God's word. And so God's word says, in him was what? Was life. You need to catch that. In him was life. In him was life. In him was life. So if you want to know what life is, don't go to Coca-Cola. In him was life. In him was life. We are bombarded with adverts and marketing ploys to... You know, to deceive us in thinking that if you have so many cell phones, if you have so many homes, if you uh, have a, a jet, your personal jet, we think that that is life. But Jesus is saying through his word to us, in him is life. And that life was the light of men. So the life that is being released, when you become born again, born again, you were born once, but you were born dead. But the second time, you were made born again, and you became alive. And the life that was in you was the light of God that shined through your heart. Okay, John three nineteen. John 3, 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light. Just look how empty the church is and look how full the prisons are. Look how empty the churches are and look how full the shopping malls are. Look how empty the churches are and look how full the soccer stadiums are. Yeah? Now, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I want to make a point and come with me. It says here, light has come into the world, but men love the darkness instead of light 
Why? Because their deeds were evil. Yeah? Do you think that people that are in prison, that they go there to pray? Or to worship God? Yes, there may be a, a small cluster. And I've ministered, let me tell you, it's quite a thing to minister in the prison to those prisoners. But it's a small handful among the hundreds of thousands of, of men, young men, old men, that are in the prison. And they are there because of their evil deeds. Follow with me. Follow with me. I'm going somewhere. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 35 to 36. And I'm reading. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are walking or where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. Okay. Uh, remember I told us about the story of the illustration when we went to Cape Town, you know, um, that dark room that I spoke of, the Cape Castle, right? The castle building. Again, I want to ask, how many of you have been to the castle building? Yes, there's quite a number of you. Now, there's a room that you go into or the rooms that you go into. It's so dark that you cannot see your hand. Is that true? Yes? So, it's almost like you can feel the darkness. But you can't prove and say, yeah, feel the darkness. But when you're in that atmosphere, you can feel the darkness. And I said that Moses was teaching and saying, you know, concerning Egypt. He said that God, one of the judgments, the one, I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, one of the ten judgments. He said that the darkness that, is going to be in Egypt. He says, it is the darkness that you can feel. And there are some times when you can feel, you can feel darkness is in the air. You can feel wickedness is in the air. You can't prove it, but you just feel it. There's darkness. There's certain areas that you know, you can feel that this is danger. This is darkness. You, you don't feel safe in that zone. Because that's what darkness does to you. Darkness drives fear into you. Darkness intimidates you. Darkness can imprison you. Darkness can hold you back. And that's why people are so desperate to find the light. But the problem is they are looking for the, for the light in the wrong places. They think that they can have the light in their career. You know, let me just say something. I'm not against people that have careers. But sometimes people that are wealthy, you would think that money is the solution to all the problems. Well, if money is the solution, Pastor Dolores told me recently, and there are many stories I can tell you. Uh, uh, was it no, not you, it was Malaysia. Malaysia, 
uh, told me that, that her boss, they are very wealthy people. Very, very wealthy people. But their son, I think he was in his 20s, is that right? Militia? He was young. He was still in his youth. He had everything that he wanted. Cars, you name it. He could travel, you name it. He had all the wealth in his life. But yet, he was unhappy. And he committed suicide. He hung himself. Why? Because Satan kept him in the darkness. His light was not his money. His light was not his career. His light was Jesus Christ. But he would not accept Jesus Christ. And that is the, I'm telling you, that is the, the, the grave sin that humanity is, is, is doing. Is that they do not want to accept Jesus as the light of the world. And let me show you in scripture here this morning. It is impossible to explain. But the people living on our planet in earth are very familiar with the sequence of day and night. And so it's no surprise that many languages, light and darkness, are used as metaphors. Light usually symbolizes what is good and darkness symbolizes what is bad. So when you are doing something good, they are saying you are in the light. That man is in the light. Walking in the light. Walking in the light of God. But when you are doing something that is evil, something that is bad, you are walking in the dark. If you understand something, you are enlightened. Your mind has been enlightened as something has been uh, transferred to you. In scripture, light speaks of God. Come with me to uh, John chapter 1 verse 5. John chapter 1 verse 5. Oh, Lord, help me to move on with this message. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, The light shines where? In the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. Yeah? And John chapter 3 verse 19 to 21, The darkness speaks of sin and Satan. Yeah? The reason why the Holy Spirit is leading me to teach so basic and so simple because there are some people that are doing acts of darkness and thinking that they are in the light. And God wants to correct that. And He wants us to know. He wants to enlighten us. You know, the Lord gave me this series in October already. I was laying before the Lord. October, November, and December, I was laying before God and asking the Lord what He wanted me to minister to the people. And He said to me, I want you to preach a series. He actually told me a series on I am. I am who I am. And we did, I am the bread of life. And now we are doing, I am the light of the world. Oh my goodness. He says here, 
Sinners perform deeds of darkness according to Romans 13, 12. While God's people should live as children of the light. Wat soek jy in die duisternis as jy een kind van die licht is? Why must you keep and be friends with the enemies of God? Let me just say that again. When you hang out with people that hate God, when you hang out with people that don't care about God, when you hang out with people, you know, that uh, they don't believe in God, why would you want to call that your friend? When God says, the man who says there is no God, he's a fool. Why would you want to associate with a fool? Please don't be upset. I'm not scolding at you. I'm just bringing it to your attention that the decisions that you make around the company that you keep, see if that lines up with the word of God. The Bible says, what relation does the darkness have with the light? How can the light or how can the darkness tell the light how to be the light? Have you met people like that yet? They don't want to serve God, but they want to tell you how to be a Christian. What I always say, does a plumber tell an electrician, my bro, have you ever seen that? But yet we let people in our workplaces our circle of friends, in our families, in our neighborhood. We let people dictate to us and tell us how to be a Christian. How can the darkness tell the light how to? It's either one or two things. Either you are walking in the light and they are stupid to try to correct you. Or you yourself are walking in the darkness. Hello, somebody. I'm not judging you. Please, people. Please don't, don't miss. You know, I can almost hear Brother Daryl whispering in my ear. Pastor, be careful. I'm not judging you. I am, there are people who I have to, I'm believing God that the word will correct the way you are thinking and the way you are processing life. Don't think that you can do darkness when you are the light and think that you can get away with it. Nobody gets away. Even I too. I couldn't get away from it. Light and darkness, they cannot associate. They cannot live together. They cannot. The Bible says, you know, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because when you marry an unbeliever and you want to go to church, that unbeliever will say, no, I'm going to the golf course. Do you know how many people are unhappy about their marriages? Why? Because the partners that they chose don't love the same Lord that you love. Please, I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just pointing it out as a fact here. There are so many people that I counsel with. And I can see the unhappiness in the hearts. My husband don't want to come to church. I prayed for him, Pastor. I pray for him every Sunday on the Operation Andrew. That's why some of you, Jay, can you hear me in there? 
Make sure that you choose the partner that loves the Lord and that is walking in the light. Don't be like a stubborn mule and say, I will have that man or that woman. I will have that person. Okay, the consequences of your choice, you will discover, can be very painful. Talk to some of the older ladies in the church and they will tell you how their partners give them a hard time. They blame it and they care. They can't even care to my say. They blame it and they care. You know why? Because darkness and light have nothing in common. And so make, make wise, please, young people, make wise. Marsha, make wise decisions. Tatum, make wise decisions. Don't go after the thrills and the frills and the cars and the, the gold teeth and the gold chains. Don't go after the name brands. You know, that's not character. And don't think that you can change that person. You're not God. Humble yourself and realize you don't have the power to change nobody. Because some of us think that we're powerful, eh? Jesus called, uh, you know, sin, the sinners performed deep darkness. Was that Romans? Romans chapter 13 verse 12. Yeah. Thanks, Keisha. Romans 13 verse 12. I love the way you're playing. Beautiful. It's helping me. Sometimes the people don't help me, you know, then, then your help, you know. Yeah. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of what? Of darkness. And put on the what? The armor of? Of light. Put on the armor of light. Jesus called hell the outer darkness. Matthew 8 verse 12, if you want to find it. But Revelation says in Revelation 21 to 25, tells us that there will be no night in heaven. There's going to be no darkness in heaven. There are some countries in the Scandinavian areas in Europe, they in that strip of the Scandinavian countries, where they have no darkness I think for about, is it three months? Or I think it is. Is it six months? Six months, they don't have darkness at all. And you know what happens to many of them? Do you know that the highest, Roxy, did you know that the highest numbers of uh, depression and suicide are in the Scandinavian countries? I read it, you know, in, in an article. Because when you're in the darkness, you don't like the light. Hello, somebody. But when you're walking in the light, you want to live in the light. You want to sleep in the night. In fact, we're not going to sleep in heaven. All right, let me carry on. Unbelievers are lost in darkness, while believers have called, been called out of darkness. 
and into his marvelous light. Here, Lord, just pause that time for me, please, Lord. When John the Baptist appeared to the scene and announced the arrival of the Messiah, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, Jesus Christ. He is the light in John chapter 1 and verse 7. The only people you, uh, you must tell that the light is shining are the blind people. Don't try and evangelize the light. That's fossilizing. That's not evangelizing. Go where people are blind. Go where people, go and witness to them. And when you've witnessed to them, don't park there. Leave them over to the Holy Spirit. And let Jesus fix them for you. Let me move on. Oh, Peter, come on. So as in the day, as it is today, the, you know, the most dangerous darkness in our enlightened age, because we have knowledge, we have access to knowledge, but yet our world is walking in, they are living in darkness. People have all the bells and whistles, but yet they're still depressed. selfies on every angle that we can but none of those pictures satisfy us yeah oh I feel so lonely today oh my wife made me so mad now you know she was doing this and doing that oh my parents, you know, they're so old and they're so old-fashioned. You have access to all that to express yourself. But expressing yourself has changed you. People are living in darkness even though they have the latest cell phone. And I must be careful that I mustn't think the HTC can light up my life. I'm serious, people. You cannot be... I, I was at, at Houdini. Uh, Brother Arnold and Sister Lillian invited me. And what a time we had there. And I was looking at these youngsters. They were like... with you. I thought, you know, with your phone... You can't swim with your phone. But they've made the phones now that you can even swim with your phone. And while you're swimming, you can take a shot. You can swim and take a shot. And I'm watching them. And I'm, think, I'm thinking how for them it's fun. But it's ridiculous. That you can love yourself so much. That you love yourself more than God. Because that's what the cell phone has taught me. To love myself. 
So now it's easy for you to please the flesh. And it's hard for you to please God. Because you don't love God as much as you love you. Hey, that's wrong with us. What's wrong? And we cannot preach about this. They call you a hate preacher if you talk, if you tell them the truth. Yeah. They give you all kinds of names when you, they just don't want to hear the truth. But the truth is the light of God's word. And if the light shines into my heart, the darkness must flee. Move on, Peter. Move on, move on, move on. The dense darkness that blinds the minds and controls the hearts of people have never trusted Christ who claimed to know Him but don't know Him. I want to show you from Scripture, I want to show you how people, you know, they had traditional festivals and celebrations in the name of God. But when Christ came on the scene, remember we said, when He said, I am the bread of life. If you eat of me, you will have eternal life. And they said, no. They withdrew. Like crowds, you know, Dolores, crowds can follow you. And they like to see the miracles. Yeah? They like to see how, you know, the lame is walking and all of that. But that, just like Lazarus said, that even if you raise up the prophets from the dead, they would still not believe. You know why? Because God knows that people are operating in darkness. They need to come into the light. They need to reveal themselves in the light and be enlightened. Isaiah chapter 9. You got to please, uh, Keisha. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. And, and Keisha, show your student friends on the university these scriptures. Don't be afraid of them. When it comes to the Word of God, they are blonde. That's a metaphor. I'm not saying blonde people are, okay? But they are blonde. And you will see that they are blonde. They don't know anything about the Word. They know about TikTok. They know about, you know, Facebook. They know about the social media platforms. But they know nothing about the Word of God. Okay. The people walking... In darkness have seen a great light. Wow! And on this, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The light is coming to them. They can see the light. They can see, Pastor Raymond, that your life is different. The way you speak is respectful, calm, cool, and collective. They can see that you are in control of your life. They can see 
that it doesn't matter what the opinions of others are. But it looks like you know who you are. Because the light does that to you. Jesus came to dispel spiritual darkness. And to do so, he had to endure the darkness and the suffering of the cross. This morning as I was praying, you know, early this morning, I was saying, Lord, thanks be to God that you paid the ransom. You paid the price. No other person could have paid the ransom because it required a life and you gave up your life to me. And even while I was yet a sinner, you were willing to die for me. And I just appreciated God that he is my ransom. Satan has no legal right. He has no legal claim over my life. Why? Because Jesus is my ransom. He's my mediator. He's the one that mediates between God and man. And he can talk to God. But I can't talk to God when I'm sinful. I need to first repent. In order to live as children of light, we must understand and personally apply the truths that Jesus, when he, he said, I am the light of the world. Can you say that after me? I am the light of the world. saints, let me just say to you, just saying that makes the devil nervous because he cannot resist the light. He, or rather, he tries to resist the light. But he cannot operate in the light because darkness never, never, I've never seen when the light is on, then when darkness comes in, the light runs out. I've never seen that. But when the room is dark and you switch on the light, then the darkness flees. And so it is in our lives. When the light of Jesus Christ comes and enters your life, the darkness flees. The darkness flees. I showed my son and I said to him, can you see here? Hi, can you see here on the, on the cigarettes? I said to him, can you see? Just read here, man. He said, no, daddy, man, wait. I said, okay, let me read it to you. Smoking is harmful to the body. And it can kill you. Should I get it in Afrikaans for you? Rook is verboden. For your gezondheid. And that can your lay na your door to. But yet people still think that they can get away. They don't care about the truth. It's like, it's like the, the crowds. They asked him questions. And when he answered them the questions. When he gave them the answers. They didn't like the answers. You see that is an indication that if you call yourself a child of the light, then the darkness, you are, you are inviting the darkness into you. 
Because your body is the temple of the living God. Come on, somebody. Don't look so sad. All right? Pastor's not condemning anybody. I'm just bringing the truth to you, and I don't enjoy doing that, to be honest with you. But I must tell the truth. I made a promise to the Lord that if He gives me the, the privilege to stand here and preach His Word, that I must preach the full counsel of the Word of God. So pastor is not trying to press anyone down. I love you. I pray for you every day. Every morning I'm praying for the church. Asking God to intervene and bless you. Asking God to keep you and to preserve you. This is not easy for me to do. So I want to show you here that when Jesus said, I am the light, the setting. John, you must read John chapter 7 to chapter 9. It deals with, you know, the, um, the festivals, the feasts, the different feasts. And uh, my wife didn't remind me. Please pray for her. She didn't remind me, you know, the menorah. I wanted to have the menorah here to show you. The menorah is, you know, the candlestick holder with the seven different candles and the eighth one also, you know. And so there's an explanation of the menorah. So the Jewish people... When they celebrated, uh, it was probably around about September and October, around about September and October, um, when they had their feasts. And whenever the start of the feast, the priest would go to the temple and he would light up the menorah. He would light up four candlesticks at first. And the, the light of the candlesticks reminded them that they were living in darkness in Egypt. It reminded them how the light of God, when they were walking through the wilderness, there was a pillar of fire by night that carried them through the darkness. So it reminded them of the light. And so in the setting here, Jesus is watching, uh, you know, the, the Jewish people as they are celebrating. So he sent the Jewish people, he sent them to be a light to the nations. If you read uh, concerning Abraham, he said, not only do I want you and your offspring, but I want you to make the nations, I want the nations to be blessed through you. So he used the light that he gave to the Jews and he wanted the Jews to bring the light. But what they were doing, they were keeping the light for themselves. They were not expounding on the light. And so we must be careful as a church that we don't keep the light for ourselves. That we only want to keep church on a Sunday and be happy with having church on a Sunday. We have a responsibility that when the light of God has come to us and the light of God has shone in our hearts, we now have to take that light to darkness. So the sitting... Okay, John chapter 7, verse 2 to 3. Okay, while you edit, get verse 14 ready for me so long and verse 37. All right? But when the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near, carry on, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. Okay? 
So his brothers told him, they knew that he was a miracle maker. He was a worker of miracles. And so he saw, they saw he had disciples and they are asking them to go, you know, uh, to another place in Judea. Verse 14. Not only halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and he began to preach. Okay. Verse 35. The Jews said to one another, Who does this man intend to go that he cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks? Are you sure that's the right scripture? 37, my angel. 37. Thank you. On the last and greatest day, so the feast is now coming to an end. All right? After the, and, and Pastor Robbie and Pastor Dolores and Pastor Josephine, they were in Israel and they were, you know, ranting and raving about the festival that they had in the streets. People were literally dancing in the streets. Is that right, Pastor Robbie? Yes? So they were dancing in the streets and all kinds of shows and things were happening as part of this celebration. So there's a picture that you can understand that in biblical times it was the same. They were dancing and celebrating and remembering the past. Notice they were remembering, say, remembering the past. There's nothing wrong with remembering the past, all right? So, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because what happened, the priest would go to the pool of Siloam. And they would, you know, scoop water. And they would go to the temple. And they would pour the water on the altar. Now, nowhere in the Old Testament was that advised. Yeah? They were not advised to do that. Alright? They, they weren't to take water from the pool of Siloam. So already there's a tradition that they have added to the law. I also tried to check it out. I didn't find it. The Jewish people observed for eight days in the seventh month in the calendar would be some, you know, sometimes in our mid- September and October. You can go and read it up in Leviticus 23 and verse 33 to verses number 44. It was not only a time of joyful thanksgiving for the harvest, but it was the celebration of God's care for their ancestors during the years that they were wandering in the wilderness. Love in temporary dwellings. The kibbutz. Yeah. During the week of the festival, many people lived in the booths made of tree branches set on the roofs of the houses. Jerusalem was filled with visitors and alive with celebration, singing and dancing and torch parades and even people marching through the city walls in imitation of Israel's great victories. So even the foreigners came and they too celebrated with the Jews for the things that happened in the past. And Jesus is watching this at a distance. 
He's seeing what is taking place. And he brings a dimension that blows them out of the park. Early each morning during the week, some priests would carry the water from the pool of Shalom and, you know, would pour it. Okay. I need a new iPad, I think. I need a new iPad, Pastor Raymond. The problem is I need an iPad with space, at least a 256 gigabyte. Because I have thousands of sermons on my iPad, you know. Just give me a moment, give me a moment, I'll be there now. I said that Jerusalem was filled with, you know, with visitors. And so each morning during the week, some of the priests would carry the water from the pool of Siloam and carrying it, you know, uh, taking it to the west side of the brazen altar in the temple court. And that reminded the people how God provided water in for their ancestors. So everything that they did, everything, Whatever they did was a reenactment of what they deemed happened in the past. So on the last day of the festival, when the water was poured out, Jesus used the events as an opportunity to tell the people that they could satisfy their spiritual thirst. Even though the feast was over, he could still satisfy their need for thirst by trusting him. And receiving, you know, the gift of the Spirit. Let anyone who is thirsty, John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. Let him come to me and drink. And at night during the week, the priest would light up four large can candelabra in the court of the women. The glow from the light could, you know, could be seen from the, the across the city. So it was a huge candelabra. These lamps were rem reminders of the Jews of the pillars of fire, as I explained to you. The Lord, that they remembered the scripture in that time. The Lord is the light of my salvation. Psalm 27, whom shall I fear? Your lamp is a word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Arise and shine for your light has come. So they used these scriptures in the Old Testament to remind them of the light of God. I want to bring it home now. When the priests were putting out the lamps at the end of the festival, Jesus cried out, I am the light of the world. The problem with the celebration was they were celebrating the past but they didn't have the change in the present. Do you see that? Are you seeing that? 
They were, you know, going to town like we have for Christmas. Paint the house, buy the children new clothes. You know, we remember the past of Christmas. But the problem is, that did nothing for them in the present day. That's why he said, I am. Not I'm going to be. Not I was. I am the light of the world. Please, I, I beg you, please folks, I'm behaving myself very well in the last three weeks or so. I sent you home early, so I'm asking you, don't sleep on me. I, it took me long. For this message, it took me probably about 36 hours to prepare this message. I ask you to please, you know, don't be, you know, distracted by what you still have to do and what you're going to do. You need this. This word is going to help. It helps. It's helping me and it's going to help you. I know that. It was proper for the Jewish people to observe these festivals because God had commanded it. However, it was a tragedy that in many joyful activities, they were ignoring the Son of God who alone could bless them. They were focused on the Xmas. They were focused on the celebration. They were focused on the Easter. But the problem was the reality of who He is was not a reality for the people in the present day. So when He says, I am the light of the world, He's saying to us, I am your present day light. So don't run to other sources to try to find light. Lost for Pisces af, lost for Libra af, lost for Sagittarius af, lost the Stera af, lost the Man af. Focus on the Christ. Are you hearing me today, folks? Jesus had to stand up and shout to get the attention. Divine truth had been replaced by man-made tradition. Divine truths had to be replaced by man-made religion. And sometimes I have to question myself whether I have not crossed over from salvation to religion. Because religion is man reaching to God. But salvation is God reaching to man. So I have to remind myself that it's not by your goodness, by your knowledge, by your gifts, by your talents, but it's by the grace of God. Not only when I got saved, but every day I have to walk with Jesus. I need the light of God every day in my life. Nowhere did the Lord command the priests to light huge candelabra, to pour water out at the altar. There was nothing essential or maybe even wicked about what they were doing. Nothing wrong. But unless the priests, please listen carefully, but unless the priests 
and the people lifted their minds and hearts to the Lord and experienced the life-changing power of God, those traditions were futile. The body of Christ is full of religious Christians, but they don't have Jesus with them every day. They come to church and meet Him at the church. They leave the church and leave Him behind in the church. They're not prepared to take the Christ with them. You see, when you take the Christ with you, you will be careful what you say. You will be careful what you watch. You will be careful to the things you listen to. Why? Because there's such an awareness of the light of God that's living in you day by day. So Jesus is saying, I am the light. Not the light of Eskom. I am the light. Because when the light, when there's power surge, I am your light. I am your light. When the sun shines, we get light from the sun. Just like the sun shines. And without the sun shining, there cannot be light. Jesus is using the metaphor. And he's saying, I am your spiritual light. I'm the only one that can enlighten you. Not the card reader, not the palm reader, not the sangoma, not the, 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 the prophets on the radio that you hear. I am your light, he's saying. I am your light. Take me with you to work. Take me with you on the bus. Take me with you to your canteen. Take me with you to the shops. Take me with you to the bank. I want to be with you. I want to be a part and parcel of every minute, of every second of your life. Don't take me to church and leave me at the church. When man's traditions replaces God's word, then illusion replaces reality. I want to say that again. When man's traditions replaces God's word, then illusion replaces reality. We glory in the past, but never grow in the present. I just want to pause right there. Sometimes we can be so caught up in the traditions. And yes, Paul did talk about, uh, I pass on to you what I received from Christ. There are some traditions you don't give up. But when the tradition does not, that's why the communion table should not be a mockery. The communion table is a tradition. God is saying, remind yourself of what I did for you. Remind yourself of who I am when you partake of these traditions. And so the problem, this, as the, the, you know, the picture that I try to draw to us here today is that, yes, they were celebrating and they were laughing and they were rejoicing and they were clapping and they were getting all excited. They were getting excited about the past, but they were not getting excited in the present. 
Did you catch that, church? Are you catching that this morning? That we can be so encapsulated by the 70s. Our church used to be in the 70s. Or maybe even in the 80s. Or maybe even in the 90s. We revel in the past. Hey, church was quiet. You had to come to our church in that day. But the problem is, even though you are rejoicing about that day, you're not rejoicing in this day. I am the light of the world. Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. When you have the light, the light brings life to you. The light adds life to you. The light brings value to you. I'm coming to a close now. I'm coming to a close. I'm almost there. As somebody said once, you know, a theologian of the church, Jaroslav Pelikan said, Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Yeah? Tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Please keep on playing. You're helping me, my brother. I love it. Thank you so much, Elton. I appreciate you. In our Lord's time, the Pharisees practiced and they and protected their legalistic traditions. You know, sometimes some people are very staunch in their legalistic traditions and criticized Jesus for neglecting them. Why don't you celebrate with us? They accused him. If you call yourself a Jew, But Jesus rejected both their traditions and the legalism behind them. You can go and read it in Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 23. Go and read it up in your own leisure. Godly tradition born out of biblical truth, loving ministry, and deep spiritual experience is too precious to be abused or ignored. May I say respectfully here that what we were doing here, people were having a personal experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. That to God is more valuable than keeping the traditions. Because you were not made for the traditions, but the traditions were only made for you. There's a big difference in that. I'll explain it on another day. As the priests extinguished the candle in the court of the women and thus ended the festival, Jesus called out again, I am the light of the world. Because he saw the desperation 
of the people seeking for light in a dark world. Whoever knows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 8 verse 12. Please, Keisha. John chapter 8 verse 12. He didn't condemn their tradition. Please notice. Jesus did not condemn their tradition. He simply asked them to allow that tradition to point them to him. Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. They had light in the temple, but spiritual darkness in their minds and hearts. Imagine that. The light was there, but the light was not in them. Jesus offered them eternal life. I, the Jews were only looking back, remaining what God had done for their ancestors when God was willing that very day to give them the water of life and the light of life. They were looking in their past, but they did not look into their present. That God is a very present help in times of trouble. He's not a future help. He's not a distant future help. He's a very present help in times of trouble. I'm coming to a close now. Coming, I'm coming. Please allow me to eat a home run here. I want to eat a home run. Can I hit a home run? Yeah? I want to hit a home run here. The Jewish religious leaders could see the sun in the heavens, but they did not see the sun who came down from heaven to save them. They didn't know or they didn't love Jesus. They didn't understand him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't honor him. Nor did they really know the Father. In fact, Jesus says to them, you know the Father of lies. The devil is the Father of lies. They didn't know the true heavenly Father. Because Jesus always points us to the heavenly father. The darkness of unbelief and ungodliness was overcoming them. In our physical world, the sun is the light of the world. But the spiritual kingdom, Jesus is the light. And there is no other light in the spiritual realm. Hear me out. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 and 15. But Jesus is the only true light. For there is one God, one mediator, one Lord. Also between God and men, one mediator. The man Christ Jesus. 
First Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5. But if, if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't need an angel. You don't need another person. You don't need a prophet. Are you hearing me? You don't need an apostle. You have the Lord Jesus Christ who will represent you and who qualifies to be the mediator. Jesus is my mediator. Jesus is my redeemer. Jesus is my advocate. Jesus is my high priest. And my intercessor. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the Christ. King of kings and Lord of lords. Just as the son is sufficient to give light to our planet, so too Jesus is sufficient to enlighten His church. The sun is in the center of the earth's solar system and our planet orbits around it. Jesus is at the center of it all. Things that relate to the Father and to his church. And he must keep, be kept central. Not on the outskirts. Not us first making decisions. Then we want to call him in. Jesus at the center of it all. I wish the worship team could sing that song. Could have sang it this morning. At the center of it all. I'm coming here. I'm coming here. Here's the punchline. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Not Hollywood. Not sport. Not curved TV. And TV shows. And TV series. And movies. Not politics. Not entertainment. Not fashion. Not drugs. Not cigarettes, not alcohol, not Buddha, not Krishna, not Muhammad. No, 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 not Satan. I am the light of the world. Can we give him a clap offering this morning? He must never be relegated to the fringes of life. Don't put him on the outskirts of life. Make him the epicenter. Don't first consult with your boyfriend and then you consult with Jesus. First consult with Jesus and then you consult with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Consult first with Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. Shall we pray? Jesus at the center. I am the light. I pray that the Lord will amplify the revelation of the light of the world to each and every one of you. Even as I have prayed, I have asked the Lord that the Lord will make plain 
and help His people to understand the relevance of the light of the world. And Father in heaven, we come before you. Thank you that God provided the Lamb, the Son of the living God. He left His splendor, He left His majesty, and came down to earth so that we in our poverty might become rich. Thank God this morning for the Lord Jesus who is the Christ. When Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Lord, where can we turn to? But to you, you have the words of eternal life. And here, once again, you have revealed to us and enlightened our hearts that you are the light of the world. May we walk in the light. May we talk in the light. Oh, may we serve in the light. Oh God, may we worship God in the light. Oh God, may we never walk away from the light. But let the permeating light of God shine on us brightly. Shine the light of life in our hearts. That we may express the life of God. I pray this morning, Lord, this message was simplified so that we could understand that when all is said and done, Jesus is the light of the world. We embrace that light. We receive that light. Lord, we are baptized by that light. Let the light of God shine brightly through us so that God may be glorified in us, O oh God. I pray this morning for those of us who have been led into darkness and have felt the dark, dark clouds of Satan through the storms of life I pray this morning just as Jesus said peace be still speak forth your light now into those dark situations where marriages have been affected by the darkness of Satan speak your light oh God into those marriages where relationships have been tarnished and broken down by the darkness. Speak forth your light this morning. God, I pray for those who have experienced darkness because of sickness. Lord, speak forth your light this morning. Let the light of God shine brightly in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. So Father, will you be the after preacher of your word? Let this word digest into our hearts, transform us, change our thinking, that we may live for the glory of the King and declare to the nations, Jesus says, I am the light of this world. Come and bless us, Lord. Part us with your love and your peace and your blessing. In Jesus' name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be our abiding portion. And we all say together, Amen.